Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. Okay, fam, it is my goal to endeavor having a morning show out and in your ears every day except for Thursday. Uh, My daughter is back in school starting tomorrow. My son has been moved to his preschool class, so structure and organization will reign once again. If a show doesn't come out, it's because chaos stopped by to say hello. Um, As always... I will begin with a plug for my affiliate partner, Palmetto State Armory. They have a summer ammo clearance sale. I know many of you are preparing for Indiana Apocalypse. Go check out what ammo they have on sale. I am going to link directly to those deals as well as a complete PSA lower B5 Bravo that's regular $399.99. It's on sale for only $139.99 as of this recording. Uh, You guys can't miss these summer deals, so click those links and get you some. Okay, Hunter Biden's legal team calling and pretending to be the opposing counsel was one thing. Now, however, we have the Department of Justice pushing for Devin Archer, who is scheduled to testify to Congress today, to report to prison. Manhattan federal prosecutors on Saturday, Saturday filed a letter requesting a judge set a date for Archer to start his one-year sentence in a fraud case unrelated to the First Son's various scandals. The request came after the Second Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed that Archer's 2018 conviction last Tuesday on two felony charges for his role in a Conspiracy to defraud a Native American tribe. Archer had been challenging the conviction. In light of the appeals court ruling, the DOJ respectfully requests that the defendant be ordered to surrender at a date and time determined by the court to a facility designated by the Bureau of Prisons to commence his term of imprisonment, reads the letter to Judge Ronnie Abrams. Archer's attorney, Matthew Schwartz, said his client will still testify on Capitol Hill as planned, despite allegations that the DOJ letter was an intimidation tactic. We are aware of speculation that the Department of Justice weekend request to have Mr. Archer report to prison is an attempt by the Biden administration to intimidate him in advance of his meeting with the White House, or I'm sorry, the House Oversight Committee, Schwartz said in a statement. To be clear, Mr. Archer does not agree with that speculation. In any case, Mr. Archer will do what he has planned to do all along, which is to show up on Monday and to honestly answer the questions that are put to him by the congressional investigators. Archer's attorney is expected to file a formal response to the request from the U.S. Attorney's Office by Wednesday. He has previously argued it was, quote, premature to pick a jail date 
as Archer mulls potential appeal options, a position the government has said it disagrees with, according to the court filing. Back in 2009, Archer, Biden, and Christopher Hines co-founded investment and advisory firm Rosemont Seneca Partners, which the first son used as a vehicle for many of his overseas business endeavors. Archer is expected to testify that Hunter Biden would dial in his father, Vice President Joe Biden, during various meetings with overseas partners. It could be a key development in the GOP-led inquiries of the Biden family, as it would potentially tie the president to his son's business affairs, because, as we all know, President Biden has previously said, end quote, I have never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. The White House now says the president was never in business with his son, which is a very nice shift in verbiage by the wonderful press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre. For months, the Biden administration officials have pummeled Republicans over the probe and have sought to drive home the notion that the president has not ever been directly implicated. While I do think that all of this is important, it's about four to five years too late. All of these business dealings have been known for a long time, certainly before the election. Where was Congress then? Oh, that's right. They were cutting their own nose off in spite of their face because they didn't like Donald Trump and his mean words on the internet. This feels empty and unproductive when the majority of America doesn't give a damn because we pretty much think that every person in Washington is corrupt calling in favors in some form or fashion, and we're more concerned with putting food on our tables and gas in our tanks, in spite of the 50% you take away from every paycheck that we earn. For a party of conserving, they sure waste a lot of time, which is a pretty valuable commodity. It would Likely be different if there was any teeth to these hearings, but when the DOJ is completely corrupted, nothing will ever come of any of it. Comer subpoenaed Archer in June and called the timing of the jail request letter odd. I don't want to put words in Devin Archer's mouth, Comer said, but I'll say this. He has an opportunity to come tomorrow or today to the House Oversight Committee and tell the truth. Other Republicans also seized on the DOJ letter. Matt Gates, for example, charges that the DOJ is now actively committing the crime of obstructing a congressional investigation. Senate, or Senator Ron, oh my gosh, Rand Paul, not Ron Paul, <laughs> Rand Paul shared Gates's request or tweet adding, this is getting to be banana republic territory. They're moving from indicting their opponents to throwing witnesses in jail on the eve of congressional testimony. Last week, Hunter Biden's plea and plea agreement with federal prosecutors burned down in a blaze of glory 
after a judge raised constitutionality concerns and found daylight between the two parties. Biden, who had been expected to plead guilty to two tax misdemeanor charges, ultimately entered a not guilty plea, which attorneys from both sides are now expected to head back to the drawing board, iron out their differences. It's amazing. The attorneys are just going to go iron out their differences. We're not going to we're not going to worry about prosecuting based off of the law. We're just we need a little extra time to come up with a plea deal and how this is all going to shake out. Oh, man. Speaking of what is shaping up to be the worst president of all time, the Biden administration is now withholding federal funding from schools that have hunting and archery programs because feeding yourselves and your families and defending yourself is frowned upon. According to federal guidance circulated among hunting education groups, the Department of Education determined that under the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, or the BSCA that was passed last year, school hunting and archery classes are precluded from receiving federal funding. The interpretation could impact millions of American children enrolled in such programs. It's a negative for children. As a former educator of 30 plus years, I was always trying to find a way to engage students. Who's Tommy Floyd, the president of the National Archery in Schools program. In many communities, it's a shooting sport. And the skills from shooting sports that help young people grow to be responsible adults. They also benefit from relationships with role models. You've got every fish and wildlife agency out there working so hard to utilize every scrap of funding, not only for the safety and hunter education, but for the general understanding of why stewardship is so important when it comes to natural resources. Any guidance where it's even considered a maybe or a prohibition for shooting sports is a huge negative. It's a travesty. I remember one of my uh, first core memories of shooting wasn't with my grandfather or my father. It was the firearm safety and shooting course I took in elementary school that was sponsored by our DNR. I smoked all the boys in my class in a skeet shooting contest with 100% accuracy. I have loved shooting ever since. According to Floyd, his organization boasts 1.3 million students from nearly 9,000 schools across 49 states who are enrolled in archery courses. Some of those schools have already canceled plans to include archery or hunting education courses in their curriculum due to the Education Department guidance. In June of 2022, the BSCA was passed with large majorities in the House and Senate before President Biden signed it into law. The push to pass the bill, which broadly seeks to promote, quote, safer, more inclusive, and positive school environments, according to the Education Department, came after mass shootings at a grocery store in Buffalo and a school in Uvalde, Texas. The legislation included an amendment to an ESEA subsection listing prohibited uses for federal school funding. 
that amendment prohibits ESEA funds from helping provide any person with a dangerous weapon or to provide training in the use of a dangerous weapon. They want you weak, unarmed, and useless to defend yourself against them. At every turn, they want to remove your ability for independence to defend and feed yourself. They want your submission and reliance upon them so they solidify their importance in your life. God, I hope people push back against this. However, in a letter to Education Secretary Miguel Cardona earlier this month, Senator John Cornyn of Texas and Tom Tillis of North Carolina expressed concern that the agency is misinterpreting the provision, which they said was included in the BSCA last year, to withhold education funds for programs training school resource officers not for hunting and archery classes. School resource officer training was funded under a separate provision. We were alarmed to learn recently that the Department of Education has misinterpreted the BSCSA to require the defending of certain long-standing defunding, not defending. You can tell I was tired when I typed this of certain long-standing educational and enrichment programs, specifically archery and hunter education classes. For thousands of children who rely on these programs to develop life skills, learn firearm safety, and build self-esteem. Corn and and Tillis wrote to Cardona, well, if y'all actually wrote the bills or read the shit before you passed it, you probably would have been aware of this. And now all you can do is sit there and twiddle your thrums, send a letter, while the executive is free to interpret your poorly worded legislation however it sees fit. Bravo, gentlemen. Bravo. Do you ever see awful people's children and think, oh, good, and maybe they'll be better than their parents? And then you're quickly disappointed pretty much every single time? Well, This weekend, that was me, when I saw an article about Nicole Schwab, Klaus Schwab's daughter. According to Nicole, the COVID pandemic was a tremendous opportunity to test how the public would comply with the WEF's plans to usher in their Great Reset agenda. The WEF's promotion of the climate emergency narrative seeks to create a change that is not incremental to position nature at the core of the economy, according to Schwab's spawn. She made the admission in a newly unearthed video that was recorded during a WEF panel discussion back in 2020. The group of WEF attendees were discussing how the fake threat of an immediate emergency can be used to further advance the WEF's Great Reset Plan for Humanity. Did you hear that? The fake threat of an immediate emergency. This COVID crisis has shown us that, first of all, Things can shift very rapidly when we put our minds to it. 
And when we feel the immediate emergency to our livelihoods, she declares. So I see it as a tremendous opportunity to really have this great reset and to use this huge flow of money to use the increased levers that policymakers have today in a way that was not possible before to create a change that is not incremental, but that we can look back and we can say that is this is the moment where we really started to position nature at the core of the economy. Taking the point of view of business and economy and looking at where there are opportunities to create and regenerate nature. And there are plenty of opportunities. And this is, again, a mindset of actually innovation technology. And a business growth can happen with a positive impact of nature. The kind of laying out of some of these examples. Regenerative agriculture is, of course, a huge part of that as well, Schwab continued. And I'm not going to clog up this episode with a bunch of information about regenerative, regenerative ag, but I highly encourage you to Google it. Food will become virtually unaffordable to produce and purchase. It will be scarce due to the specialized nature of that type of farming. Only people who spend their lives in concrete jungles, ordering people around and never having set foot on a farm, can put shit like this out and pretend that it's realistic. And she says, and one of the key reflection points here is also around engaging youth. And for me, it's again, I come back to the shift in the mindset of the restoration generation. Can we conceive of ourselves as humans? <laughs> I mean, you talked about a new humanity. I think you mentioned it, right? Can we conceive of ourselves as a restoration generation? I think that's where we need to go. I'm also hopeful that it's possible, but I think it will take a lot of will, both political will, but also in terms of business actors to break with business as usual, but in a very serious way and to say we need to make very difficult choices. There are trade-offs like you starving, but this is our chance and other and this is about risk. It's about resilience because the shocks are coming and they're going to be even worse if we don't just go ahead and kill you all off now. That's not what she actually says. She says, if we don't do it now, but that's what she's saying. Schwab's group notes that improvements, this, oh, you guys have feelings about this next part. (laughs) Um, They note that improvements in tracking and surveillance technology are helping to overcome political resistance against such programs. COVID-19 was the test of social responsibility, the article notes. It continues by commending how a huge number of unimaginable restrictions for public health were adopted by billions of citizens around the world. There were numerous examples globally of maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, mass vaccinations, and acceptance of contact tracing applications for public health, which demonstrated the core of individual social responsibility, the WEF adds. The organization goes on to cite so many people complied with lockdown mandates despite 
overwhelming evidence of the harmful consequences such restrictions had on society. The WEF then implies that the public would would behave in a similarly obsequious manner in other areas of life. This last part crawls under my skin and sets my nerve endings on fire. Tracking and surveillance are helping overcome political resistance. A large number of unimaginable restrictions were adopted by billions of citizens across the world. And the crescendo, so many people complied with lockdown mandates despite overwhelming evidence of the harmful consequences such restrictions had on a society. They go on to say they can make y'all do it again. They talk about us as if we're stupid, as if we are merely the puppets on a stage for them to pull the strings and make us dance. Are you paying attention yet? Do you understand yet? Are you awake Do you remember when I told you about the mysterious anonymous land purchase next to one of our most important Air Force bases and no one can seem to locate the purchaser? Well, hold my energy drink this morning because I have one better for you. Local and federal authorities spent months investigating a warehouse in Fresno County, California that they suspect was home to an illegal, unlicensed laboratory full of mice, medical waste, and hazardous materials. That language is going to seem even more interesting in a little bit. Medical waste, hazardous materials, laboratory full of mice. Conceptually in your mind, you're just thinking like, oh, anecdotal, no big deal. It's just a, a lab or something. The Fresno County Public Health Department has been evaluating and assessing the activities of an unlicensed laboratory in Reedley. The health department's assistant director, Joe Prado, said in a statement Thursday, all of the biological agents were destroyed by July 7th following a legal abatement process by the agency. How were they destroyed, you ask? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is setting this place on fire once you hear the rest of the story. The evaluation required coordination and collaboration with multiple federal and state agencies to determine and classify biological and chemical contents on site. In addition to assessing jurisdictional authority under this unique situation, Prado said, according to court documents, City officials inspected the location at 851st Street on March 3rd for building violations and found various chemicals being stored. On March 16th, an inspection by county public health officials allegedly turned up medical devices thought to have been developed on site, such as COVID and pregnancy tests. Oh, okay, so they were just, they were making COVID tests and pregnancy tests. That explains the chemicals and stuff like that. Not the mice. Okay, I'm not sure why the mice were there. But here's where it gets good, my friends. Certain rooms of the warehouse were found to contain several vessels of liquid and various apparatus, court documents said. Fresno County Public Health staff also observed blood, tissue, 
and other bodily fluid samples and serums, and thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids and suspected biological material. Well, holy fuck, that that doesn't make sense with COVID tests manufacturing and pregnancy test manufacturing. Hundreds of mice at the warehouse were kept in inhumane conditions, court documents said. The city took possession of the animals in April. So this April, did you hear that month? It's July, almost August, euthanizing 773 of them. More than 175 were found dead. So we're at about 1,000 mice that had to be or were murdered at this location. Now, I have seen pictures of the inside of this place, floor to ceiling, stacks of boxes strung all over the place with furniture, medical equipment, chemicals, all of that fills the photographs. But wait, there's more. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention tested the substances and detected at least 20 potentially infectious agents, including coronavirus, HIV, hepatitis, and herpes according to a Health and Human Services letter dated June 6th. Again, what date is that? June? An investigation found the tenant was Prestige Biotech, a company registered in Nevada and unlicensed for business in California. City officials spoke with Xiu Qin Yao, who was identified as the company president through emails included in the court documents. Yao told officials that Prestige Biotech moved assets belonging to a defunct company, Universal Meditech Incorporated, to the Reedley Warehouse from Fresno after UMI went under. Prestige Biotech was a creditor to UMI and identified as its successor, according to court documents. Officials were unable to get any California-based address for either company, except for the Fresno location from which UMI had been evicted. The other addresses provided for identified authorized agents were either empty offices or addresses in China that could not be verified, court documents said. Prestige Biotech is accused of failing to comply with orders, including providing a plan for biological abatement and disposal of the materials, emails sent to Yao and Prestige Biotech requesting comment were not immediately answered. Prado told uh, the NBC affiliate KSEE of Fresno that those associated with Prestige Biotech were not forthcoming with information. Court documents say they failed to provide any licensing or permit that allows experimentation or other laboratory activity. Reedley City Manager Nicole Zeba told KSEE that officials have cleared the area of hazardous materials, but are still working to actually empty the warehouse. 
Some of our federal partners still have active investigations going on. I can only speak to the building side of it, Ziva said. What are the chances, you think, that Xiu Kenyao is still in the United States? I mean, China set up police stations in the United States. Are we expected to believe that these unlicensed biolabs aren't set up all over the country, hiding behind shell company after shell company? By all means, though, make sure you get those moms speaking at school board meetings cataloged and on your watch lists. That will be crucial to national security moving forward. That is your Monday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If that is the case, please leave a loving review on iTunes. Share, subscribe, like, do all the things. I love you guys. I'm so thankful that you tune in every time I put an episode out. I look forward to speaking to you guys tomorrow. Take care. Have a great Monday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.